You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hi there, welcome to today's podcast where I interview other accountants who are doing great things so we can all learn how to build more profitable, successful and impactful accounting firms. Today I am interviewing Alistair Barlow. Alistair Barlow, if you're in the accounting space, you will no doubt have heard of him. He has won every award going under the sun and today Alistair and I will be talking about the importance of personal branding and how you can use your personal brand to grow your accounting firm. In addition to that, we'll be talking about how he has grown his firm, Flinder, over the last few years from nothing to where it is today, making a real impact in the accounting world, offering new levels of uh, services to clients and doing some amazing techie things that uh, will will make us all uh, uh, think as to how we deliver our own services. So I will see you on the other side, enjoy the show. A couple of challenges that I hear many accounting firm owners uh, face and say is is that, number one, we find it very hard to find the right people. You know, trying to find the right talent uh, is incredibly difficult uh, in the the market that we're in. And also, once we've found that talent, actually retaining those high performance, again, is, uh, is another challenge. And Alistair and his partner have done very well in getting the right team on board and hopefully he'll be sharing some uh, some of his wisdom and experience in that regard. And also the other challenge is all about winning new business. That's another thing I hear constantly that how is how do we win new business? How do we get new clients on board our accounting firm? And Alistair has done an incredible job over the last few years. So we'll be learning from him on that as well. But before we delve into that, Alistair, give us a, a brief background introduction about you when you started a little bit about Flinder and we'll take it from there. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Razor. Really great to be on here. So thanks for inviting me and hey to everybody that's watching this. Um, so yeah, in terms of a brief background, I'm Alistair. I'm one of the founders at Flinder, probably the, the kind of chief visionary or the chief dreamer uh, who set up the vision of what Flinder is about four years ago, pretty much to the day on a beach in the Caribbean. Um, my journey to setting up a, my, my own business um was kind of long-winded really um you know i spent 16 years at pwc in different parts of pwc in different countries with pwc uh living and breathing and learning another language of pwc but also you know well i say jetting around the world but you know going around the world and working on different types of projects whether that's assurance projects and, and working with large multinational teams uh or whether it's consulting style engagements and and kind of building shared service centers and optimizing what finance function processes look like that, that's all actually really, really relevant to how we got to where we are today. And so probably a very convoluted way around compared to a lot of SMPs, so small, small medium-sized practice owners, in that, you know, we spent, I spent 16 years at PwC, Luke was eight years at PwC, but those experiences really laid the foundations of what Flinder is. Um, you know, the time in consulting, well, actually, even the time in, in audit and running kind of large multinational audits. You know, one of my clients when I was in Amsterdam, was Cisco Systems and kind of we, we go back say 10 years or so when I was there, that was when Sarbanes Oxley 404 came out, everybody was focused on controls, control environment. And that was that, that's actually a really good kind of basis for what does 
a well-controlled finance function look like and a fast closing one as well. You know, so, so even, even back then we would close, so Cisco would close their books within 24 to 48 hours. This is a $20 billion business. Um, and, and then as, as an audit team, we'd kind of sign off on a prelim uh, audit, audit, audit opinion kind of, you know, four days after that. And I guess some SMPs are probably going, you know, we deliver, uh, we deliver uh, uh, management accounts to our clients within a few weeks of, of end of the month, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I've seen some which are kind of, you know, beyond that. But this is a $20 billion company that's, that's delivering results within 48 hours. It's possible. You just need to get the processes right. So that's really, really important is the kind of the control environment, the process efficiency that we took from that. Um, uh, then the, we, I spent about five years in consulting in PwC. That was, uh, that was very much in finance function excellence. And again, that was around shared service center concepts. It's around kind of process efficiency. It was around delivering insight to businesses to make better, or, or the business to make better decisions. Um, and it was around kind of control, this, this, these competing demands of control, efficient process efficiency and delivering insight. And that's really kind of the crux of how we view the finance function at Flinder. And we talk very much about the finance function, not just about accounting. And the two, in my mind, are very, very different. Accounting being backward looking, finance function being much more proactive. And that's what we certainly deliver is, is finance function support. And then my last three years at PwC are probably the most relevant when it culminates it together in that I led PwC's my finance partner in London and the Southeast. And essentially, it was PwC's way of trying to tap into this kind of market where they never really played before, certainly at the London level, maybe at some regional level in, in, in Wales and in the West and Northern Ireland they did, but not nationally. And very much kind of, you know, focusing and working with fast growing or SME businesses and delivering them an accounting or finance function solution um, and, and transport them transport businesses that way. And that was, that was the most relevant, I think, to the, the jump to Flinder. Um, and kind of, you know, we essentially, you know, four years ago, as I say, I sat on a beach, I was thinking about what to do next. Um, and, you know, there were, there were a number of things which worked well in my finance partner, but actually there were a number of gaps in the service that was being delivered and what we saw being delivered in the general marketplace to what, our, to what is now our target customer, target market what they were actually after. And so we positioned ourselves in this kind of um, this, this kind of a new type of accounting firm or, or kind of brand or business um, uh, delivering this type of service to clients. So we saw that gap and then we jumped basically from you know, very good salaries, very promising careers to no clients, no staff, no revenue, uh, no salary on day one, um, about three and a half years ago. Awesome. So uh, we've got a similar background, actually, because I came from PwC as well. Like you, I was in the I was in the Birmingham office, and I guess I was fortunate. I was dealing with uh, owner managed businesses and entrepreneurs at PwC. So same kind of profile of clients we have now, albeit on a slightly larger scale, but the same kind of challenges and uh, you know opportunities for tax planning that were available to them. I was able to bring into a small firm. So kind of great, great background um, and experience learned with PwC. So I'm, before we get on to the couple of things I wanted to talk about, actually, let's spend a bit of time talking about the finance function, because it's something that, you know, I'm also passionate about and something that I am constantly uh, 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 talking to my accountant audience about to say that this is the area of growth. This is the area where we can really add a lot of value to our clients. It's a huge opportunity for us to kind of step in and actually make the technology work for us, not just sit back and look at the rear view mirror and, and do the compliance and year end stuff, 
But this is the area where, you know, through technology and collaboration, we can effectively provide this finance function service to clients much more cost effectively than them having to recruit their own finance team. And a business will get to a certain size where it kind of needs that financial director input, the finance manager, the controller, but can't afford to employ those people. And we can bridge that gap between, say, you know, half a million and 10 million turnover and, and provide it much more cost effectively. So, Alistair, tell me in, in simpler words than you used a couple of minutes ago as to how actually on the ground do you deliver this service? What actually do you provide to your clients? And you're not allowed to use the H word that you always use, the heterogeneous word. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I do apologize. So tell you me know. how you deliver this and how other accountants can position themselves to deliver this service. Yeah, actually, what's quite interesting is, um, Reza, is that your experiences at PwC, you know, very much OMB, sorry, owner man. I, I, I talk acronyms. That, that is my background. I'm really sorry. I talk like that, right? So <laughs> I'll try and I'll try not to use that that jargon. But you, you work with owner managed businesses. You're very much tax focused. I'm probably a pretty rubbish tax accountant, right? That's not that's not my specialism. It's not my experience. It's not what we um, necessarily set up and, and have as a primary solution, right? We, we do offer it, obviously, uh, we, we have a kind of hub and spoke model in our business. So we do offer strategic tax support, R&D, et cetera, et cetera. But me personally, I'm probably like <laughs> one of the worst tax advisors you could get. But that's not what we do. It's not what we focus on, right? And it comes back to kind of what we're focusing on and delivering value for our clients. And so we're, we're whilst we're a, a regulated accounting firm, we see ourselves, we actually see ourselves as a brand first, a business second, and an accounting firm third, right? And so as a as a non-accounting firm, non-focused accounting firm first, we are in the business. We're not in the business, and all, our, all my team know this, we're not in the business to deliver a set of financial statements on time to company's house. For us, that is a hygiene factor and, a, 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 and it's just something that falls out of the natural process. We're in the business to help our clients make better management decisions, make them faster and meet their objectives smarter than they could do without us, right? That is what we're about. And anything that fits in that remit, if you almost have that as a nucleus at the, at the core, you know, helping our clients make faster decisions, meet their objectives uh, faster, anything that supports that is our business. Um, and so when we talk about, when we review and think about services, we think about client challenges they might have. We think about, we, we develop propositions to support or to mitigate those challenges. We are all the time thinking, how can we help our clients meet their strategy faster? That, that's what we're thinking about. We're not thinking about necessarily, how can we save them tax? How can we um, d deliver a set of financial statements quicker or whatever, whatever it might be, right? Our annual financial statements or that sort of thing. Some of that is a byproduct. We're all about how can we help them make better decisions and meet the strategy faster. So we start with the, the concept of, actually, we're quite, quite, quite selective in who we take on as a client, right? So we're very focused on if we take someone on as a client, does it fit into our mantra and can we add value to them, right? So we only, we're, we're reasonably expensive. And so we only really, clients only see value from us or only only accept our price points if they see a huge amount of value from us, right? Yeah. So, so give us some context, Alistair. What does reasonably expensive mean to you? Kind of. Yes, yeah, so our average fee is £1,600 a month. Yeah, our, our, sorry. We, we, well, actually, if you backtrack to what we are, we're an accounting, consulting, and analytics business, right? So we have some one-off work where we do one-off consulting projects. 
We have some data analytics where we just let it run and we've, we've built analytics for them. That's a lower price point because there's no human involvement. There's kind of 99% margin on it. And then we run finance functions. We have this subscription model that a lot of the accounting firms, SMPs are moving to now. And so that side of things, we are running at a, an average fee per client per month of 1600 pounds. Yeah. So that's that. And my benchmark there is uh, Deloitte, PwC, my finance partner, uh, KPMG, and then other firms where we've taken revenue from them, we've seen what they've been charging, right? So we're reasonably expensive. We're not the most expensive. I see some of the top 20, um, you know, wholly uh, inefficient at what they're doing and therefore they need to charge more or try to charge more. But that, put, that puts it in context, right? So we charge on average 1600 pounds per client per month. Um, and we have so we do have some clients that are pretty low at kind of 600 quid a month and we have we have some clients up at eight and a half grand a month right so but but ballpark average is about 1600 quid per month uh, per client and so we only work with clients where we can add something that's well actually one that's interesting for us to work to so if, if a client comes to us and says can you do can you can you do our tax our payroll and our statutory accounts um, we say no uh, we can we can introduce you to someone that can do that, but us as a business, that's not what we're about. We don't just do that type of type of work. We will only work with a business if we can have a um, deliver some form of much richer management information. And I don't necessarily mean management accounts. I mean management information. Or we can sit down and have a conversation with them at a very minimum for the smallest clients. We do that quarterly, but we will we will be placing a bet on them as a growth business that we will ultimately sit with them monthly. So by and large, each of our clients, we sit with them on a monthly basis and have a much more strategic conversation with them. Yeah. And I guess kind of your question was actually about how do we deliver the finance function? I guess we've gone a little bit wider here and, and talking about, you know, the, the value proposition that we have and the fact that we are challenging them on their strategy and we're using financial information and and I'll try not to use the word but but mashing and bringing in operational information to that and having having a more informed discussion with the board or with the advisory committee or with the management team uh, about about the kind of the, the skill set finance has and the the kind of the the interpretation, the, the understanding of trends, all that sort of stuff. And we'll be using that in our brains or unlocking that with data analytics and delivering it back for the business to make some actions on the back of that, right? And that's what it's all about for us. It's not about delivering financial statements and, and filing with company's house or payroll. It's about delivering something where the business can make tangible corrections on their path to a quicker kind of realizing their objectives quicker that's yeah. what we're about that's what we're all about and and that you can trickle that down you know that has a load of things in terms of how you deliver the finance function it could be around forecasting it could be around annual budgets it could be around um you know a much richer management information uh you know mashing mashing different data sets together it could be um you know sorry, give, give us some, processes sorry. Sorry? Give us some uh, examples on that, Alistair. So first of all, what kind of range of turnover of clients? And then in getting into kind of the nitty gritty, do you actually, because I know some of the stuff you do is quite specialist. So you actually create, you know, software, you bolt onto other softwares. Do you still take kind of zero or QuickBooks as your base? And then you have other software that links into it to get the data in and create financial and non-financial dashboards from which the information and the insights are then given to your clients is that kind of how it's done and you build those bespoke dashboards so just give us some kind of more 
tangible examples? Yeah. So, um, so the the, the fir first part of your question was around core applications. Yeah. So our clients are predominantly on zero. They're they're predominantly zero businesses, right? Yeah. We have clients across different applications. We will never work with a client that's an on-premise solution. Never. Yeah. That is that is by that, that is a, a, an absolute rule, right? And if they are on a, an on-premise solution, we will migrate them to a cloud solution, right? And that cloud solution will depend on what their functional requirements are. So typically, our go-to for a for a kind of a, for a small business would be zero. Um, Rather than quick yeah, small business to you, Alistair, turnover wise is uh, it it's not always turnover, it's complexity rather than turnover. No. Um, but it, it could be up to 10 million pounds that, that, that's suitable. I mean, if you if you work with a pharmaceutical company, um, that's got half a million revenue but a stack in stack spent on RD versus a, a box shifting company that's making 20 million. And and you know there there are different differences in complexity, but but by by and large, the majority of our clients are on zero, right? Um, but we have put clients on enterprise solutions. We have put them on enterprise solutions because they need greater level of analysis than say zeros to tracking categories or uh, you know the different ways you can hack more tracking categories together um, because they've needed that segmentation. We put we we, we put on another company where it's a consulting piece of work. They have their, they have an in-house CFO. They have about fifteen people in the finance function. But we put them on an enterprise solution because actually the key requirement for them was around consolidation and in-application consolidation, not something like Fathom, which is out of out of application. And Zero doesn't have that as a as functionality. So that was one of the key criteria for them was segmentation ability, but also consolidation. So we, we put them on a on an enterprise solution. But by and large, our clients are on zero. All right. So we will we will often we'll always start with what what's the business care about? What does what does the state, who are the stakeholders? Who are the stakeholder groups? What do they need to make decisions on? What typical things are they always asking about? Are they asking about who's our best salesman? Are they asking which are our key customers? Are they asking about leakage? Are they asking about cash? So we'll understand what those stakeholder groups are, what the questions they're typically asking. And if they're asking a typical question, what information do they need or metrics do they need to be able to answer that? right every, every month or, or every quarter and then so from that we'll understand okay where's that data where what's the calculation to get to that metric to to give them that where's that data coming from your, your numerator your denominator is it coming from zero is it coming from a crm system is it coming from an epos system um and so wh wherever it's coming from we'll then figure out the source application and is the data held in the right um in the right kind of data field so for example if i'm looking at uh, customer acquisition costs. Am I am I looking at it to the right level of granularity in zero versus the right level of granularity in Google Analytics? And am I comparing apples with apples? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, where do you then take that data? Do you build? Uh, do you use a platform that you create those dashboards upon, so that the team, you know, the, the board get a dashboard with all the the metrics that matter on a monthly basis? Yeah. Is that kind exactly. of your your USP? Exactly that. And there are a number of dashboards around, right? So there's Power BI that I was having a conversation with someone earlier today on. We use one called Clipfolio just because it, it, it fits our functional requirements better than any other at the time when, when we when we did that. It's quite, it's quite labeled. But we're essentially bringing those data sets into either our own environment first, our own database that sits in AWS, cleaning that data maybe, mashing it together, firing it from our own API into a reporting layer into Clipfolio or bringing it direct into Clipfolio if it's non-complex data, yeah? And so that's that's then customized self-serve reporting that they can look at, which is not just financial, but it can be operational as well. And it can bring in 
you know, customer numbers. It can bring in average value per customer. It can bring in, you know, those types of things, um, uh, you know, on a, on a daily basis, you know, uh, on a, on a every 30 minute basis, which is, which is pretty powerful to do, but that's one part, part of it, right? That's just, that's kind of self. So a lot of it is around telling the story and what's the story. Because a lot, so a lot of these people that we work with are entrepreneurs. They're obviously very, very smart. They're much more visual people. They like to see charts and graphs, but actually part of it is, and, and I think as finance professionals, we really, really take for granted how much knowledge and experience we have. And it's difficult to like, we, it's, it's, it's really difficult to unwind that knowledge and think how somebody without the three years college, the 10 years experience or whatever it is that, that everyone might have to what it would be like before that. What does that mindset look like when you're looking at a P&L and balance sheet and not actually identifying these trends, these variances straight away? It's, it's, it's completely in our, you know, natively in our, in our na- or nurtured into our nature um, that we can see this stuff that other people just other people just can't and so i think sometimes we underplay we look at something and think it's obvious but actually our clients don't always think it's obvious and so our role there is really to tell a story and to connect them from what we see in the data to what they need to do and what it means from a business perspective that that's actually like despite like forget all the technology that we have in accounting technology it, it does make us more efficient it does help us have a better control environment and of course it helps us you know unlock the power of data analytics and those sorts of things but actually a lot of it comes down to communication and communicating what that message is and debating what the actions from that are that's the really really valuable part at the end of the puzzle that we need to focus on and how does that actually work in practice so you know you've got a, you've got a team of, uh, of of x people do you presumably some of them are fairly you know junior than others do you train them all because there's you know it takes a certain level of financial acumen and experience to then you know give meaning to those numbers do you equip your team with the right skills the training to be able to have those conversations directly with clients on a monthly basis or is that all kind of uh, on on your um, on your plate to do yeah, so I personally only uh, have one client, and that's that's um, there. there are, it's a very interesting. I just came off a board call with them actually um, an hour ago. Um, so I, I personally only have one client. We very much look at Flinder as a business and a corporate structure rather than a partnership. A part typical partnership. You have a partner with his clients, and you know you have your favorite team members that you want to get on your clients, and then you have another partner that has his 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 own clients, and another partner his own clients or his or her own clients. Um, we don't have that structure at all. We, we have more of a corporate structure. So kind of like CEO, CEO, COO kind of structure and then down to business partners, pods. Um, but, but back to your question on how do we actually instill that same, let's call it methodology, mindset and brand experience. We, there's an element of coaching, obviously. So we're 23 people now, you know, two, two and a half years ago, we were two, two people, uh, just me and Luke. And a lot of that was in our heads. So how have we? How do we manage to maintain that same brand experience? That that's actually really, really difficult to do. Um, and when you bring people in, you're growing at such pace, and you're just kind of like winning work, and you're like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Um, but you, it is really important to harness the brand and the the kind of the ways of working that you've kind of you know set your name on and that you um, you know have been known for and, and are delivering you know high quality service for. So I think that part is is really really key, and it's it's an inflection point for a lot of um, leaders to go. How how should I do this? How can I get this right but still grow and put enough effort into documentation and that sort of stuff? So there's an element of just kind of shadowing. There's an element of coaching. There's an element of documenting. There's an element of training in in there. And 
I think, you know, everybody, if they, if they wound back a few years, they do it slightly differently. So in our case, we would document, my, my one tip would be, we would document our ways of working a lot sooner. So people, so, 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 you know, an educated person coming into the business could read our SOPs, our uh, standard operating procedures, excuse me, and then understand exactly how you run a strategy workshop or exactly how you run a, uh, you know, how you, how you, how you write an email, right? Because like though, even little things like that, you know, everybody coming from, from one firm or another firm has their own ways of doing it, their own kind of language. As a, as a business and as a brand, we want everyone to communicate in a similar, uh, in a similar consistent language so that we, that all our clients are getting the same brand experience. And that even little things like that are really, really important to us. But one of the things we actually had a call about this morning is um, an internal call. We're, we, we've got this uh, concept that we call the difference in Flinder, and it's, it's made up of um, uh, our competencies, our values, and uh, skills matrix, but also this concept of an academy, right? So it's, it's something that we're developing at the moment called the Flinder Academy. And this is almost a, a syllabus throughout someone's career, professional career. And it's not just the first three years of them being at college, it's through their entire, you know, when they get to director level, um, it's, 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 you know, everything that they should have experience on from a training perspective. So to begin with, it could be, how do you do accruals and prepayments in practice? How do you do working papers? It could be an introduction to writing a management commentary, but all the way through to say manager, it could be how to manage, um, how to manage people, how to manage clients. And then a kind of, you know, a senior manager level or a director level, it could be how to present with impact, how to negotiate uh, when it comes to selling. And so we're looking at developing that end-to-end syllabus, which we call the Flinder Academy, which um, really trains our professionals in a different way than you would get at the, a, another typical SMP, really. And that's why we call it the difference. Different, different professional experience for someone, so it retains talent. And then it's a different experience for our clients because they're getting a consistent, elevated brand experience from our professionals, uh, the way Luke and I want it to, uh, to be carried out. Fantastic. That's great. Okay, so moving on uh, away from this topic and moving back to kind of probably the, the crux of this session was all about kind of brand and uh, profile. So talk to me about, you know, when you actually made that choice to focus on, you know, the, the brand Flinder, how that name came about, and then subsequently, the emphasis that you have put upon building that brand, and the, you know, the results that you've got from it, and what advice you have to other accounting firm owners to perhaps look at their firms as more of a, a brand and the advantage of doing that, because you know typically a lot of accounting firms are set up with a founder's name and co in the title. Um, we're also guilty of that, and uh, yeah, and, and, and you've also you know used your personal brand to to get out there and win awards and things like that. So yeah, just, just talked about brand, and I'll pick up a few questions from from what you say after that. Yeah, a lot, lot, lot of questions there. Uh, if, I, if I start with the first one, right? So when we set up. Um, we didn't call ourselves Barlow and Streeter LLP or, or Anco LLP. We wanted to have a name that was not, um, let's call it a sector um, constrained. Yeah. So, so, so Flinder, we very much see Flinder could branch off into do other things in the future. Right. So it could be, um, it could be like take take Virgin for example, right? Virgin has moved into different verticals, right? So you've got trains, broadband, records, well, money, everything you can think, holiday, everything you can think of, like fifty or so companies under the Virgin brand. And Virgin is not Branson and Co LLP, or it wasn't Branson Record Stores, um, you know, 
30 odd years ago, it was virgin, right? So there's an element of having something which is not constrained by the walls of the professional services sector. It's not constrained by accounting. So like very much, I, I can very much see that, you know, we, we, we move into a technology field at some point in the future, right? So we didn't want to be constrained. We just wanted, we, did, we don't want to be a stereotypical accounting firm. We have a very different vision for what um, a progressive accountant should be delivering. And we wanted a name that represented, um, that, that, that kind of was a bit more fresh, that represented the future uh, of accounting and the progression and the direction it was going in. And so we came up with, with uh, Flinder. Uh, first off, one of the, one of the options was uh, finance and, which obviously goes against what I've just said, but that was canned very, very quickly. Uh, in fact, by my girlfriend, um, who thought it was absolutely shit. Um, so, so how do we come up with Flinder? Well, Flinder actually, if you can see my t-shirt, Flinder is, um, is a, I used to live in the Netherlands, as I, as I said, I used to work there. My daughter is half Dutch. Uh, Flinder is a Dutch word. It means butterfly in Dutch. It was one of her first words. Um, it's got the connotations of moving from a caterpillar into some, something slow, like businesses before they come to us, to something that floats and is very nimble and is beautiful, which is what we try and work with our clients through this metamorphosis. And we actually have a methodology internally called metamorphosis, which is the way we break down how we work with our clients and how we improve and optimize all their, their, their processes. So there's that part. And then also the fact that, you know, I, I like the concept of the butterfly effect, you know, the, um, the one small change, a small flap of a wing can have a huge profound impact. And that's where that we're, we're trying to put in those small changes that have a profound impact. So, um, yeah, so, so the name, they're, they're the kind of the multiple reasons why Flinder worked for us. Fantastic. Now, that's great. Great story. Um, I've never heard it before. So um, good to know uh, what it finally means. <laughs> butterfly yeah. in, in Dutch. But so, so what advice do you have for other accountants or perhaps thinking about, you know, a brand change, what, what kind of, um, what benefits do you think having a kind of non-finance, typical traditional accounting name has had for you? Has, has it brought about opportunities that you think would otherwise not have? Does it kind of help appeal your firm more to the likes of businesses that you're after than others? So I think you have to be quite um, thoughtful and careful about a name, right? And what I mean by that is it depends who your target market is, right? If our target market was, you know, we were talking about where, where I live. I live in Hampshire, even though our offices are in London. If, if we were a local firm in Hampshire that only wants to work with Hampshire businesses, we would maybe have called ourselves the Hampshire Accounting Company Limited, right? Or something like that. Whereas that's not our target market. It's not our goal. It's not our ambition. So in a way, there's probably an element of, and this comes back to brand, like who are you, who are you selling to? Who, what do you want to be known for? And what do you want people to talk about you when you're not in the room and, or understand and, and, and know who you are when you're not in the room and your, your name's not actually necessarily mentioned. But so for, for us, like Flinder works on a number of levels. We work with fast growth equity-backed businesses that always have funky names. Um, I think the one thing that annoys me about it is we have Flinder with a lowercase f in the in the in the logo, and we always have people with an uppercase f when, when they write articles and stuff. And it, it's a battle against them to try and put it to a lowercase f because journalists just don't like that, right? They like grammar properly, so that that that's a bit frustrating. Um, but I think when you're, um, you know, from my from my perspective, I've I've had a bit of a um, the luxury in the. While I was at PwC, I had a couple of, I'll call them side hustles or, or um, 
you know, creative outlets um, where I set up a couple of businesses, a couple of online businesses um, and, you know, got exposure to building websites, to e-commerce, to marketing, to branding. So I've spent time with branding professors in the past. So I really, really understood the value of a brand. And at the ACCA Roadshow last year, I stood on, I stood on, stood on stage with Amanda Watts and I held two bottles of water. One was, I can't remember, one was like, I don't know, Tesco's own water for 50 pence, right? And the other one was smart water, which costs like £2.50 or Avian or whatever. And, and there, there is actually an Avian water bottle that costs 50 quid because of the design of the bottle. Fundamentally, they're both going to hydrate you, right? They're, bo they're both going to give you this, you know, quench your thirst. I don't think one's going to make you run faster than the other or anything like that. But the difference in price, that £2 which is a significant amount, like 400, 500% is branding, right? That, that is the power of branding. It's the fact you can create something, create a point of view. People buy into that and people will pay a premium for that. People will want to work for you. Uh, people will want to uh, stay with you. People will buy into your point of view. Partners will want to work with you. Um, you know, all, you'll, you'll, you'll attract more investment. You'll attract more clients. That's the power of a brand. And that's why brand is so important to us on where we're trying to get to on, on our trajectory and what our um, kind of overall mission uh, and, and strategy and objectives are as a business. And so for us, that's why brand is fundamentally so important. But it's not just a logo. It's, um, you know, it's, it's everything. It's language. It's the way in which the team talk. It's, it's absolutely everything is, is brand. Um, mm -hmm. And so for us, yeah, brand is hugely important. It's, it's about the point of view that we deliver in the marketplace and brand differentiates you from someone else. And you can command a higher price, even against your direct competitor, if you differentiate yourselves with your brand. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah, I talk a lot about um, pricing and it's all about focusing on being different and focusing on on adding value, which is certainly what, what you guys are doing. And, you know, you talk very well and I think you've, you've got the point across. So hopefully everyone listening will have a good look at their brand and, um, and see whether it needs a refresh or a creation of a new one, because you can clearly see the benefits that having a clear and distinct brand and the story that you can associate with that, the image that it gives, the perception it gives, not only to potential customers, but to potential partners, people that want to work for you. So, you know, the investment in brand, I think, you know, you've, you've, you've done really well. So moving on topic, and let's, let's kind of close with talking about recruitment. So, you know, you've grown very fast, 23 people in two years, which is an amazing achievement. What what not, not uh, advice? Not as fast as I want, but <laughs> it never is for us, is it? What advice do you have for others around? You know, how do they go about finding talent? And clearly, you've got an advantage there because you've got a distinct brand, so that's one of the ways of putting yourself out there. But do you do? I know you've talked in the past about kind of your your marketing is is geared towards different stakeholders, and one of those is actually prospective recruits. So talk to us a little about you know your recruitment strategy. How do you recruit? Where do you recruit? And, uh, you know, what makes people come to, to you? And do you think there is a, a dearth of talent in the marketplace or are you finding it easy to find uh, the right people? So, so, I, so, 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 so no one has any uh, illusions or disillusions. It's not easy, right? It's, it's absolutely not easy. And just going back to kind of the branding stuff we talked about, um, like I have all these ideas and we haven't executed them because it's not easy to do. And we like everyone else 
have this kind of this this competition for resources in in what we what we want to do and what we want to what we want to run with so it's 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 not not easy at all i think if we if we go back 2 years ago like you know we found it really really tough to recruit like really tough we were working with one of the big recruiters to try and get CVs we we load CV we'd load job um, profiles up on indeed um, and we got we got rubbish right and no offense to other people we got rubbish for what we were looking for they didn't align to 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 what we were looking for the skill sets the experience right and part of that was um, the recruitment partners we were using didn't didn't take the time to understand our culture our vision as a firm our values and therefore they were delivering CVs which were just irrelevant to us right and very very frustrating i think um, you know we then uh, i think our fifth employee and actually this goes back to the important this goes back to the the makeup of our business our very first employee was a data engineer our fifth employee was a marketing associate right that that's the emphasis we place on data consulting and the emphasis we place place on marketing developing content and building a brand yeah so we we hired jamie and then we started to think a little bit more about who our avatars are so who are we actually positioning ourselves uh who are we trying to talk to in the market and who are we trying to market to and so ultimately if i break those down we've got uh, as a business we have um, we sell to entrepreneurs, right? We run finance functions for fast growth businesses. We sell to CFOs. We sell transformation projects. We sell implementation projects, sell that to CFOs. We um, indirectly realized we have got a target audience of accountants in practice because we get a lot of them signing up to our newsletters to see what we're doing. So actually what we've done is we've created a specific newsletter for accountants in practice. Um, but actually, and, and the most relevant to this part of the, the, the discussion is, we realized that one of our avatars is our candidates. And that's, I think, something that most people don't realize. Like the PwC of this world, they get it. They go to uh, university fairs, they target them, they've got specific departments for it, but they've got the money and, and such like to do it, right? I think SMPs probably don't realize, actually, our biggest problem isn't winning new work, right? Our biggest problem is uh, the engine to delivering that work, which is people, right? And my view is, if we have the people, we can, del- we can deliver more and more work. So it's absolutely is the people. We need to fuel that cycle with people. Like winning work's not a problem. Delivering it's the problem. You know, I speak to Luke and I'm like, okay, we've got this opportunity, this opportunity is going to land here. And he's like, well, how, how, we need to push it out. And the entrepreneur in me is going, why are we saying no to revenue? Like, obviously, I like, we've come from a quality assurance angle and we don't want to bring too many clients on at once. But I'm like, seriously, we need to like get more people in and, and to, to deliver that. So, you know, People, we, we focused on it as an avatar, as someone who wanted to market towards. And so we started developing content for that audience. We de- started developing content like what it was like to work at Flinder. We started uh, by interviewing people. We started developing content and tracking new recruits through a 12-month cycle on their first week, the first three months, six months, 12 months. And we've got a few more of those coming out soon. We started developing videos around kind of our summer away days. We've got a video which is, uh, we've got a few skiing videos. One of our skiing videos has got about 7,000 views. Um, and all that was to unlock what it was like to work at Flinder. What's, what's it like, you know, as an employee at Flinder through the eyes of employees? And that has been really, really important for us. Like one, we're a pretty fun cultured organization as well. 
but two, to open the doors and to put a lens on what it looks like and what it feels like to work at Flinder from the eyes of employees, I think really gives credibility and validates and takes some of the risk away from someone moving here. So, so straight away, we get candidates that we interview, they want to work here before we've ever opened our mouth because they've seen, you know, and, and I can't remember how many touch points it is that somebody needs before they, before they buy from you, but it's that sort of thing. They'll have watched a number of videos. They'll have seen us on YouTube, seen us on Instagram. They'll have seen one of our talks, that sort of thing, you know, because we've got content coming out of our ears about our, our point of view in the marketplace on people, on the difference, on data analytics, on finance functions, on progression of um, uh, what, what it is to be an accountant, on what it is to be a CFO. You know, we've got all, this, all these points of view in the marketplace and people are going, I want to work there. Like they're pushing the boundaries. I can see how fun it is. These guys go skiing. They take the piss, you know, all these types of things. And, and that has been really, really powerful for us. So we've gone, we then went from struggling with CVs and, and then a recruitment partner that sat down, talked to us about our culture, our values and got us. He helped us recruit. And now uh, for, for, for a 12 period, and now we're at the point where we get God knows how many applications every week straight into our air table for us to review and sift. Um, and so that's that's a huge transformation. And you know, the, the, there's varying qualities obviously in that, in that um, Airtable air uh, kind of the candidates that come in, but it's, it's, it's attraction rather than trying to grab those people. You know, they're attracted to us and then we can be choosy and picky about that. So that I think, yeah, that's been a huge transformation for us. That's, it really is the key to growing a, a people business like an accounting firm yeah no that, that's brilliant i love that the fact that you've taken that concept of inbound marketing to attract inquiries from new clients but then said actually you know our our target market is now prospective candidates and you've taken the same uh, methodology which works to attract new inquiries to actually getting you know applications from the people that want to work which uh, which is absolutely awesome there, there are a few other things actually to think about here so so a couple of things we're thinking about is setting up a Facebook group for part qualified accountants and delivering some value there. There's something we came up with a little while ago with, with partnering with someone uh, where we run quarterly drink events. So they supply the people, we just pick up the bar tab and have a load of fun. We have a database that's built up. Um, you know, so there's a few other, few other kind of concepts there that we're, uh, we're exploring as well. Fantastic. Dad, this, this has been great, Alistair, full of uh, some fantastic content. So just to, to finish off, what are, what are the future plans for Flinder? Where do you see yourselves in five years' time? And, and what's your kind of outlook for the uh, accountancy profession in, in that time frame? Just leave us with that before we close. Yeah, so, so five years' time, I uh, uh, pretty much hope to be on a beach somewhere, um, to be perfectly honest, not working as many hours as I do. I think that's the other thing to say, you know, so, so some people might look and go, okay, three years in, you've gone from zero, you've got 20-odd people, um, you know, you've got this, got, this, got this brand that's building. It, it's hard work, right? I, I work pretty much like to some extent every day. And as a, as a business owner, you tend to do that, right? You never shut off. So I think, you know, we've been going at it quite hard for, for quite a while now. So I think, you know, certainly having, we, we take a lot of holidays. You know, we do go skiing quite a lot and stuff, but we're working as we do it. I think, um, you know, five years time, I want to be detached from the business. I want it to be self-sufficient and running itself. Um, we'll, have, we'll have had significant year on year growth to get to where we want to um, as a business in terms of the revenue number in five years time, probably, you know, if, if I look at it, we're probably looking at a hundred people in the business, something like that off the top of my head. Um, but then Luke, Luke and I will be onto another business concept. I would have thought, uh, that's, that's where we want to get So probably a technology product. Um, 
And then in terms of the profession in five years' time, I, 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 I'm sad to say, I think it will still be dragging its heels a little bit. I think generally I'm quite surprised about how slow, like you, see, you hear and see a lot of good stories about what's going on in the profession. And um, I think under the, under the bonnet, there's still a lot that's dragging, a lot of heels that are being dragged, um, to be honest. So yeah, that's, uh, that's probably fantastic. No, I, that's... I want I want to be corrected on that, but that's what I hear. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you're right. The um, although although you know we we see some some great things happening. I think if you look at it as a profession as a as a whole, I think it, it, the the progress is much slower than um, than we'd we'd like it to be. It's such a, it's such an opportunity mm. for accountants to really grab and help their clients and really help propel the SME economy forward. It, delivering that advice, that value. So, you know, shrink your client numbers, grow you, grow what you're doing with your client. If you, well, you know, preferably grow everything. But if you need to, like, shrink your client numbers, add more value, help the economy go forward, make better decisions. Like, accountants are in a unique position because of their skill set to really, really add a huge amount of value to businesses. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with more with you, uh, Alistair. Thanks so much, Alistair. It's been a pleasure to have you here. I'm wishing you all the best with your future plans. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing a selfie with you on the beach in five years' time once you've sold off Linda and work on your next uh, tech product. So um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. So thanks again, Alistair. Take care, everyone. Have a great day, great week. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening. For more free content, videos, and resources, visit www.rezahuda.com. And if you haven't already, come and join the community in our Transform Your Profits Facebook group, where we support each other to build more successful, profitable, and impactful accounting firms.